Well, good morning. Welcome. It's just a joy to see everybody here. And when I say that, and when I heard Devin say that this morning, that it's a joy for us to be together, um, that can sound like just Christianese, Christian buzzword. Oh, it's a joy to be together. But I want you to know, uh, there's a lot of folks this morning who are doing many, many different things. And they're trying to find life in the things that they're doing. And we have the privilege of coming in here each week on a Sunday morning, gathering together, not just as the people of God, but as the family of God. That God has done something in our lives. He's transformed our lives. He's affected our lives. And so when we're here, when we're gathering together, it's because we believe We believe that we're going to meet with God through the preaching of his word, through the singing of rich theological songs, and through the contact that we have with each other. And so when we talk about the joy of gathering together, it's far deeper than just a phrase that we use on Sunday morning. So when I say it's a joy to stand here and to be able to preach God's word to you, it It genuinely, it is. And so let us get into the scriptures this morning. We are continuing our series in the book of Exodus. We've been in in Exodus now since February. We've been there quite a while. And we are slowly making our way through the Ten Commandments. We are going commandment by commandment. Um, I want to encourage you that when we get to the civil and ceremonial laws, which there are 643 of them in the coming chapters, we are not going through all 643 one by one. Uh, we'll, we'll cover those in a big block. The story of Exodus has shown us two halves of Israel's life as we are now in chapter 20. The, the first half, we learn the story of Israel's freedom from serving a wicked and cruel and, and harsh king. And the second half begins here in chapter 20. It's the story of Israel's new freedom now to serve God. To no longer serve a wicked Pharaoh, but to serve the living God. And the shape and nature of this service to God that that Israel has is filled out in these Ten Commandments. It's it's simplified in these Ten Commandments. Commandments that shape our lives still today. Commandments that, that we see fulfilled in our lives today. Commandments that were not abolished at the coming of Christ, but were fulfilled in Christ. And the, the law in Exodus is given to Israel. And, and this is an important point that as you're reading the book of Exodus, as you're, you're reading these, these 10 commandments, understand that the law, the law, these 10 commandments were given to Israel after she had been delivered from slavery, not before. Not as a requirement that you must obey these commandments so that you will be delivered from slavery. No, no, no. They were delivered by the grace of God and then given these commandments, these laws to to follow and obey. This community of people, they were oppressed and enslaved with no hope. And then God sends a deliverer to his covenant people, a covenant that he made centuries before and now is bringing to fulfillment at this time, and ultimately to bring fulfillment in Christ. Israel could never deliver herself, just as we could never save ourselves from the, in, the slave of sin and the destruction of sin. The good news is that God sends a deliverer. He sent a deliverer 
in a man named Moses, a, a type of Christ. He represents God before this people of God. He represents God and he makes God known to them. That, that's the great story of Exodus. This people who lived in slavery for more than 400 years, who had lost sight of God, who had become idol worshipers with those in the land that they were living in, in Egypt. This deliverer that God sends, this man named Moses, makes God known to them. And once again, re-engages them, introduces them, reunites them with the God who made a covenant to them. I will be your God and you will be my people. And it is after this great deliverance where God brings them out of Egypt that God gives law. And as you will see throughout scriptures, particularly in the New Testament, you always see that gospel precedes law. That good news always precedes the commandments that we are given. Because he has delivered these people, now God has a claim upon their lives. He owns them, in a sense. They belong to God. He has a claim upon their obedience. They belong to him now. And the expectation is, God having loved them, they are now to respond by loving God in return. That is what this is about. We love because he first loved us. If we remember from first John and each commandment that we have been studying and that we will study is anchored and in and in this immovable truth that God loves us and that God's grace has redeemed us has saved us has saved Israel God has loved them and now they get to love him back joyfully obeying his commands and the same is true for us as believers today in first John 3 Remember when we studied 1 John, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They are joyful. They are life. All of God's commands are grounded in his love. In Galatians 5, Paul quotes Leviticus 19 to remind the Galatians, like Israel, they too were called to freedom, not by Moses, but by Jesus Christ. And Paul quotes this Leviticus passage and says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so the response is, listen, you, you love God. Now we're to love our neighbor. And that's what this next commandment is about. It's the beginning of the next six commandments where the first four we talked about our love for God, our worship of God, our allegiance to God and God alone, no, nowhere else. And now in these next six commandments, the one we're studying this morning begins to address our relationships with one another. Exodus twenty twelve. read with me. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. How we, how we understand this passage this morning, three ways, are the explanation, there, and then we'll have the application, and then the promise. And we'll talk about the explanation now. Let me, let me say this. Um, dad and mom. 
I'm glad your children are here. We wanted your children here this morning to hear this. Honor your father and mother. Um, don't elbow your children in the midst of this message. Just like when, when we're in a marriage seminar and, and we hear husbands love your wives and wives are, yeah, yeah, uh, let's not do that with our children this morning. Um, let's, let's be careful. This passage has far broader application, as we will see in a few moments, than just parents and children. It does have primary application, but it has broader application. So how do we understand this passage? The first thing is the explanation. The first four commandments cover Israel's relationship with God, teaching teaching them to love God, to obey God, to worship God, to follow God. And then the next six commandments teach Israel how to practically express their love for God by loving and serving their neighbors. And it starts with the family. These commandments, these 10 commandments set the pathway for Israel's future. And for us today, as we study these commandments, we, we do see them fulfilled in, in Jesus Christ. He teaches us to love the Lord, your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, Exodus 2012 is the first of these six commandments that fulfills this Matthew 22 comment by Jesus Christ. So as we begin, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that is rich with your grace and your truth and hope and transformative power. Lord, you You've given us your word for this very moment that we might hear from you, that you would be speaking to this gathered group. Lord, and that is our prayer this morning. That is a request this morning that you would speak, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that you would bring transformation to us, that you would bring life to us, or that you'd bring hope to us, that we might, through the preaching of your word, through the study of your word, live lives that bring honor and glory to you. Lord, we ask that you would do this through the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, for his sake. Amen. Now, this verse looks back to these first four commandments this these commandments are not are not just separate unrelated commandments they're all related to one another and so this fifth commandment honor your father and your mother this this commandment and it says that your days may be long on the land that the lord your god is giving you these commandments are are all connected back to not only all that we studied earlier in Exodus, but all the way back to Genesis. This commandment is is connected to all the other commandments. And and each of the commandments, as we will finish them in the coming weeks, you will see they're all interrelated. They're all interconnected to one another. And and this this commandment looks back to our love for God. And now it's looking forward to how we're going to, and expected to, love one another. And to understand this commandment, we first must understand What is being asked of Israel here? 
The Lord gives this commandment, honor your father and your mother. That's the commandment. The rest is the, the, the promise that goes along with that commandment. Honor your father and mother. To, to honor is the point of this passage this morning. The Hebrew word, and I'm not a, a Hebrew scholar, uh, but thankfully there are Hebrew scholars that are out there that help me. Um, although being Jewish, I should be a Hebrew scholar, but we all fail at certain things. Devin announcements, me being Jewish. Um, <laughs> The Hebrew word kabod is typically translated glory. It, it particularly when speaking of, of God. And it means something like weightiness or gravity or, or heavy. Think of how we understand the weightiness of someone's word. So if somebody who is an expert at something says something, we, we give greater weight to their words so that we, we believe what they say. And that's, that's the concept here. We give weight to someone we respect, to someone that we admire when they speak. And so to honor is to give weight in the way we treat that individual. Malachi 1.6 helps us understand the weight of this, this passage. And just to encourage you, there's a, an expression in theology called the analogy of faith. And it simply means this. Scripture interprets Scripture. And, and that's the, the best way we interpret Scripture. And as we are going through these commandments, the reason I say they don't stand alone is that we go throughout the Bible. We are going to find other passages that help us understand and support the passage that we're studying. And so as you're in your own personal time studying these commandments, uh, look for the other passages in Scripture. It, it will open up God's Word to you. That other passage. So here in Malachi 1.6, it helps us understand the weight of this word honor, this, this passage. It says, as a son honors his father and a servant his master, if I then... I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts. And so you see that honor is connected to the glory and the worship of God. And that God in this prophetic book of Malachi is making a statement to the people of God. That your honor, your fear, that's, that's connected to me first. Before it's connected to anything else. So even as we talk about honoring father and mother, we, we first, we assign this to God. And here's the point. The honor that the fifth commandment requires a son to give or a, a child, a daughter to give his father and mother is, is analogous to the honor that we all owe God. It's connected to the honor that we owe God. The fifth commandment is designed to echo the big ideas of the first four commandments and then apply it to our relationship to our parents and, and relationship to parents and children. God is to be honored as a father. That's our starting point. We honor God as our father. And in a similar way, we honor our own parents and, and with a love that is a mirror image of the way we love God. That's the explanation. That's, that's what we mean by honor. 
Now, the, the second point is, is the application. This passage covers not only parents and children, but a wide, wide, wide range of human relationships, as well as particularly our relationship with, with God. And throughout the Old Testament, as you read through the Old Testament, you will see the terms father and, and mother not limited to just parents. Um, it is used, obviously, for physical parents, but also for those who are in positions of authority, such as prophets and teachers and kings. And primarily, it speaks actually very directly and obviously to our relationships with parents and children, but we have to uh, consider these other relationships. So, but first, let me start with the children. So children, listen up. I'm, I'm talking to you. Colossians 3.20 and Ephesians 6.1 in the New Testament is, are the supporting passages as well to this commandment. And they affirm this commandment as something important to families today, not just to the families of Israel thousands of years ago. So when God is speaking in this commandment to this, this ancient nation, this people of God from thousands of years ago, he's also speaking to us today. And he has words for us today. And so let me be clear, children. Here's what God is asking of you today. God wants you to do what your parents ask of you. God wants you to obey. God wants you to honor your dad and your mom. And as Paul teaches in Ephesians 6, later on in the New Testament, he says that your obedience to your dad and mom He uses this very important phrase. He says, it is in the Lord that when you obey your dad and mom, you're obeying in the Lord. In other words, you're honoring God first. And so when you honor your dad and mom by obeying them, ultimately you're honoring God and you're doing what God is actually asking you to do. What your parents are asking you to do is what God is asking you to do. And this is important in how we honor our dads and our moms. And by your obedience, by your respect, by your cheerful obedience, by your trust, your joy and your love, you are ultimately honoring God when you honor dad and mom. Now, notice that... Honoring is not just about action. It's also about attitude. It's not just what we do, but what we're thinking when we do it. Let me give you an example. When I'm driving in Montgomery County, there are all these signs with with speed cameras that tell you not to go too fast. And when you get close to those cameras, everybody in their cars slow down. And they go by those cameras real slowly. And I do that. I obey those cameras, the law behind those cameras. I am going slow, but in my heart, I'm grumbling that I have to slow down. And I'm speeding in my heart. And I notice there are a lot of people like that with me. Because once we get past the cameras, people speed up really fast. Now, if I were Montgomery County, I'd put another camera 
just a quarter of a mile down the road. You want to make some money? That's where you're going to make the money. Children, that's an attitude of the heart that God is working in me. I need to be willing to slow down cheerfully. And when God, through your parents, asks you to do something, it's not just your obedience on the outside. It's what you're thinking and obeying on the inside. And God will reveal that. And he'll give you opportunities to see that revealed. So when your dad and mom ask you to do something, just ask yourself, am I speeding on the inside? Am I going really fast on the inside? To honor our parents is more than just obeying them. It is showing respect and love and joy and trust when they ask us to do something. Obeying your parents is all about obeying God. Like I've said, it pleases God when you do that. It pleases God when you honor your dad and mom. It pleases God when you are cheerful. It pleases God when you are respectful. It pleases God when you are faithful to do what your dad and mom ask you to do. It pleases God. And as you will soon see, as we will all soon see, as we study this verse a little bit more, there's a reward for honoring your dad and mom. There's a reward that that God tells us about. So that's to the children. Honor your dad and mom. Honor your parents because you are honoring the Lord. Now let me speak to the parents. There's a significant assumption here that we must not miss in this passage. And that is that parents must raise their children in the knowledge and fear of God. For our children to obey, as Paul writes in Ephesians 6, to obey in the Lord, they must know something, parents must know something about the Lord. We must be honoring the Lord in our own lives. Where does that come from? Where does this knowledge of God come from? Where does this obeying parents in the Lord come from? It comes from the parents who, who are following after God. If we desire, if we expect, if we hope that our children will obey this command, we have to understand as parents what we need to do and what's at stake. What's at stake? Because disobedience is, is a natural outworking of who we are. And we see it in our children. We also see it in our own lives. And if we've been transformed by Christ, no longer slaves of sin, no longer slaves to a wicked and cruel taskmaster like Israel. And we live lives that model that for our children. We live lives because our children, our children have a natural tendency, as we all do, to go in the wrong direction. And it's not something new to your children. Your, your children are not unique. Sorry. I know you think they're unique. And they are unique to you. But when it comes to their attitudes and actions, their behaviors, their, their issues, they're not unique. This, this is historic. One, one man once complained. He said, youth today love luxury. 
They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, talk too much in company, guzzle their food, lay their legs on the table, and tyrannize their elders. You know who said that? Socrates. Socrates. Thousands of years ago. The challenges have historically been the same. Sin has no particular century in mind. And like every commandment, the fifth commandment's relevance is timeless. Because God's truth is always relevant for today. It's always located in God who is timeless. And it's not located in cultural values of how we're to raise our children. It's located in God's word. Children need fathers and mothers who are grounded in Christ. Because truth about attitudes and actions being addressed in this quote that I read about from Socrates and in this passage from thousands of years ago still exists today. Children need parents who honor the Lord in their own lives. They need parents who understand Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children. And so, parents, this, this passage about honoring, that you're, you want your children to honor you, you model what is to be honored. Let me speak to the older crowd. Even as adults, this passage speaks to us as well. Maybe, maybe you grew up with parents who are not believers. As I did. Maybe your parents treated you in a way that still affects you today. And you can't see how this passage applies. How can I possibly honor my parents? How can I honor those who treated me so harshly or so wickedly or so indifferently? How how can I honor that? God's not asking you to honor their behavior. But he is asking you to honor their position. Where possible, it means honoring them as your parents have gotten older by loving them and caring for them even to the end of their lives. Sadly, today, many children despise their parents. Some simply ignore their parents. Some abandon their parents. But as Christians, brothers and sisters, we live with a very different set of values. We live by biblical values. And regardless of how difficult a childhood we might have experienced, we still have been given amazing grace to forgive as God has forgiven us in Christ. And so whatever the past holds, we can still be faithful to honor the Lord by honoring this verse, by honoring our dads and moms, regardless of their weaknesses and failings. Regardless of the difficulties, we can still find gateways to walk through to honor our parents. It's not impossible. 
to honor fathers and mothers is to speak well of them. The same application applies in a broader sense about authority. That to honor your father and mother. And again, throughout the Old Testament, you see father and mother speaks of prophets and teachers and kings and those in authority. And so this, and and obviously it's ultimately about honoring God who is our ultimate authority. And so how we, how we relate to authority in our lives applies to us. This passage can apply to us, how we respect those in authority, how we treat with dignity and respect those who are older among us. And I, I am part of the elderly because I still, I get, um, AARP mailings. And so that puts me in the senior citizen range. I get senior citizen rates. When I play golf, I get senior citizen rates at Dunkin' Donuts. And so I am part of the elderly. And so Show us respect. That is what this part of this passage is about. And like all, like all aspects of the, of the Ten Commandments, the broader application is applied here. David Strain comments about this. He says, how do you speak about your leaders, especially when you disagree with them? What is your vocabulary? And what does that say about your heart and your posture and your attitude as you are called here to show honor to those set over you by God in his providence? The level of political discourse in the current debates in our country, the mocking, sneering asides by the pundits and the talk show host tells us, doesn't it, that we have fallen far from the honor which the fifth commandment calls us to give to those placed in positions of authority. And it does have a way of desensitizing us as Christian people to our duty to normalize disrespect and dishonor even to those with whom we differ most. We are called to show honor even when we differ and disagree. Parents and children are here. Civil authorities are here. Leaders in the church are covered here too. Galatians 4.19, Paul addresses believers as my little children. First Thessalonians 2, 7 and 11, he likens his ministry to the tender care of a mother, the encouragement of a father. Even those older than us in society are to be shown honor and reverence as fathers and mothers. 1 Timothy 5, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. That's a broad application of the fifth commandment. Dads and moms, I have just this one question under application. What do your children hear when they hear you speak about those in authority, do they hear you honoring? Do they hear you sneering? Do they hear the snide comments, the mocking. Your children, they watch and they listen and they see what's being modeled for them. And the third is the promise. There is a reward for honor and obedience. Look at the promise attached to the fifth commandment. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Once again, this is, this is throughout Exodus. God identifies with Israel personally. The Lord your God. That's personal. Your God. It's corporate, 
to the nation of Israel, but it is also personal. The Lord your God. God is a relational God. He is a gracious God. He is a personal God. Remember, remember where Israel is at this moment in their salvation history. They're at the foot of Mount Sinai. They've been traveling through the wilderness for months in this pilgrimage and free from slavery and bondage. They're, they're making their way towards this promised land that God had promised to them, but a land they have yet to possess. And God is saying here, if you live according to my law, I will not only give you a, la- a land to possess, but I will give you a long life to enjoy in that land. And it is rooted in this simple honor your father and mother. Honor those in authority. Honor those who are elderly. Honor those who are worthy of honor and respect because of the position that God has put them in. Do you see the broad picture here, the promise of blessing, of long life, protection, and provision. It it goes beyond parents and children. It extends to the people of God. If they honor and obey God's commandments, they will experience the joy of their salvation. If they, if they obey, and this is where Israel is, is gaining this picture. It's yes, we honor fathers and mothers, but But ultimately, it comes back to God. If we honor God through our obedience to his commandments, we will live long in the land that God has given us. God is speaking to Israel here. In light of God's deliverance, this this commandment is, is, is but a small request that the Lord makes of Israel and us to honor him. In response, he offers this people And he offers us in Christ the bounty of his grace. He offers us a a land, not a, a physical land. We have a future home. We have a future home that he has promised us. And these, these Israelites had been given this land long before, long before these commandments had ever been spoken. And God in his, in his kindness, if you remember Ephesians 1.4, before the foundation of the world, we were chosen in Christ. There is this promised future for us that was chosen for us in Christ before the foundation of the world. The question is whether or not they, we will enjoy the fullness of God's rich offering of grace Or because of disobedience and sin, we will limit the joy. They will limit the joy of their salvation, our salvation. Sadly, as you read through the Old Testament, Israel failed at keeping God's commands. Again and again. And as a result, this very promise, this very promise turned out not to be for Israel at certain points where they were exiled from the land because they did not honor God. They did not fulfill these commands. This commandment is not just about personal blessing. It's, it's about corporate as well. They, they would possess the land under God's rule. They would make God known, but they failed. And there's a consequence 
There's a consequence. There's always a consequence. Children, hear me. There's always a consequence to disobeying God. And of course, as parents, you are and children, your dad and mom, when you disobey, there are consequences. There is, there is correction, and you understand that. And I told my children when they were growing up, I said, look, the, the, the consequences that you are experiencing now for disobeying dad and mom, the, the correction that you're experiencing now for disobeying dad and mom, that's, this is nothing like the consequences that you would experience as an adult. Because adult consequences are far more serious than children consequences. And so learn to obey your dad and mom now. Learn to honor them so that you can honor the Lord now. Now, this last statement does not, don't miss this, does not guarantee that obedience will prevent all trials and sickness and suffering. This, this is known as a proverbial truth, a, a general truth that has, that has exceptions like Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is, that is not a guarantee that your children will always follow after the Lord. It is a general truth in scripture that parents, as we train our children in the way they should go, we train them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that, that we can have hope that God will intervene in their lives, but it's not a guarantee It's not a guarantee against trials and sickness and suffering and difficulty. What is guaranteed and what is promised is that God's God's blessing through his presence and care will always be with us. That's what we can hope in. Now, the question is this. Is obeying this and every commandment even possible? Can we do this? Because we all understand that we are sinners. Yes, we, we trust in Jesus. For those of us who trust in Christ, we, we trust in him, but we still fail. We still disobey. We still don't follow all these commandments. We don't obey this commandment perfectly. What hope is there of blessing if we keep failing? Well, the answer is our hope is found In Christ. No one ever kept this commandment perfectly except Jesus. He was always obedient to his earthly and heavenly father. Look back to the garden of Gethsemane where he was crushed and weighed down by the burden of our sin and our guilt and the suffering he knows that our sin deserves. And he cried out to God that his, to his father, that he would be delivered. And the Lord said, no. And Jesus response was not my will, but your will be done. And he went to the cross obediently. He was obedient to his father to the point of death. Paul writes in Philippians, even death on the cross. Christ's obedience is our refuge and our hiding place. He, he has perfectly fulfilled the fifth commandment so that when we fail to keep it, we might be forgiven. And we might be once again Put in a place where we can obey by his grace and begin by his grace to more and more learn to obey the commandments of the Lord. David Strain says this, he says, when we trust in Jesus, the obedient son, the inadequacy and guilt 
of our slight and meager obedience is blotted out and our feeble attempts to keep God's law as believers is made acceptable to God and the delight to his heart cleansed by the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ so that gospel obedience, not perfect obedience, clinging to Jesus Christ receives the promised blessing, not as a matter of merit, but as grace lavished upon us, not because we deserved it, but because Jesus Christ, the obedient son has perfectly deserved served it for us and pours it upon us. Oh my. He does it all. So our honoring our parents, honoring those in authority, honoring the elderly, and most importantly, honoring God, it is all possible in Jesus Christ. Now, as you sit here today and listen, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe Maybe you don't know Christ. And these these words are foreign to you. Christ has made an offer. It's an offer of hope. An offer that if you come to him, he will never turn you away. If you come to him and cry out to him and ask him for Help, ask him for hope, ask him for forgiveness. If you trust in him, he will transform your life. And these commandments can become a blessing and a joy and a reality to you. As you sit here today, if you do not know the Lord, if somebody brought you, talk to them. If one of us, one of the pastors can help you, talk to us. We would want you to know as you walk out of here today, there is hope in Christ. Hope for your your personal life. Hope for your relationship with God. Hope for your family. Hope for your future. All, all found in Christ, in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, thank you for transforming grace that is found in Christ. Lord, not found in our merit, not found in our efforts, not found in our work, but found in you and you alone. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us. I pray that you'd help the children here to honor and obey their parents. I pray that you would help us as adults to honor and obey our parents as well and to to respect and honor the authorities that you have placed in our lives, Lord. And I, I pray that the elderly among us would experience the joy and respect of those who are younger. All of the applications of this passage, Lord, might, might it be fulfilled by the work of Christ among us. In Jesus' name, amen.